Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Thanks for supporting my Jen Lowry Writes podcast. My purpose is to inspire and encourage others to chase after their writing goals with faith and courage. By hitting the support this podcast button and with your monthly contribution of 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99, you are helping me chase after mine. Hey everybody, welcome to Jed Lowry Writes. Today I am so honored to be able to introduce Patty Smith with you guys. P.C. Smith was a well-known stained glass artist in Carmel-by-the-Sea, California for over 15 years, creating custom pieces for celebrities and clients all around the world. Upon retirement, she took up her second love, writing and has published poetry and short stories before writing her first novel. She is a mother of two, a grandmother of four, and a great-grandmother of seven. She lives on the Monterey Peninsula, California, and in Darby, Montana, with her loving husband and two dogs. And we're here to talk about the Shingle Weavers picnic. So welcome, Miss Patty. Thank you so much for having me. So, Miss Patty, here we are talking about your novel, and you've lived, like you say, such this just robust, wonderful, joyful life. Why, like, right now for you, what did it mean for you to write this novel? Well, uh, I think it was it was such a challenge. You know, for my, my teacher told me, you can do this, you can do this. And I thought, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, it's easy for you to say. But the fact that I actually finished it was was quite a very rewarding thing for me. It, I, You know, first time out there, I didn't know really how it was going to sound, how it was going to go over uh, to other people. How are they going to interpret what I wrote? And I got such wonderful reviews on the book that I was just flabbergasted one interviewer even compared the book to the quality to kill a mockingbird and i thought Mm -hmm. you know to speak my name you know in the same phrase with all that was just overwhelming so yeah it's been quite an exciting event for me and i could see that comparison to harper lee's to kill a mockingbird because of your protagonist as well with cricket being eight years old yeah And going through, you know, her point of view throughout that story, that narration, when you go back in time to tell that from that, that sitting in an attic amongst things to the brother questioning, what was it about that summer? And we flip. Oh, (laughs) what what was there about that summer? Yeah. What was it about that summer? That's what the brother, you know, he's like, what was it? It's been all this time, Cricket. What what was it? And so oh, now you oh, hear that yeah, story, yeah. you know, you get that opportunity to go through Cricket's life 
and I love her name because she sounded like a little cricket when she when she wow. was born. So her dad was like cricket from now on. Um, I just love the quirkiness of it, the beauty of the language. So I do I do understand that. And I want you to go back and talk a little bit about. Okay, you are an artist. You're creative. Thank you. And yes. you've done you've done this amazing work. And then it's I'm transitioning over now into retirement. And now talk about how that writing took full force for you in your life. Well, I did a little bit of it all along the way. In fact, it started when I was a kid. And I found out that by leaving a little note on my mom's pillow at night, if I was in trouble for something, by the time morning uh, came around, I was no longer grounded. So I learned that these things can, you know, work. And um, I went from there to, oh, I wrote, uh, for clubs I was in, I would do newsletters and I always had this yen to come across with a whole story. And everyone asked me, how did, how come you're writing your first novel at age 85? And I said, well, life was messy. I had kids and I had things to do. And I just knew that, you know, in it's good time it would come around. And one of the nicer things about it is that I've gotten calls from some younger women who are in the, let's say, almost emptiness stage, but not quite, just thanking me because they thought that their time to really bloom and express their artistic self had passed them by. And I said, no, you can see it's, you're never too late to do this. Go for it. And I love that model that you've set, that precedent, because it is so true. That creative well is there within all of us. I believe it's just, that. It's just accessing it. Yeah. And then having that faith that you can pull up that bucket and share it with the world. And you needed somebody to say to you, yes, you can. So I let's did. talk about, I love this story. So I'd love for you to share how all of that came to be. Well, as I said, this, I was very lucky to get hold of this teacher. Her name is uh, Susan H. Fox. And she just knows how to take a, a budding spirit and, and mold it and correct it without crushing it. And she was just so wonderful about it all. And one of the sweeter sides about this story is that it took me a long time to write the book because, you know, I was taking care of a, of a failing husband and all kinds of other messy things got in there, but I didn't let it stop me. But with her, uh, I was on the computer all the time. We shared over the years Oh, divorces and deaths of our parents and just all kinds of intimate things that, you know, girlfriends, you know, usually share. And I've never heard her voice and I've never seen her face, but we've been really, really, really good friends over the computer for all these years. So when you say years, now that you're 85, when did you actually start writing your novel? I think it was in school with her, you know, when I first took uh, lessons uh, about writing. That was the basis when I worked it out into a book, but that was the first of it. And that was probably 15 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so when you had that short story homework assignment, that's why homework's important, everybody. Y'all, I'm a teacher. Right. I'm going to like promote homework. Uh, when you had that short story, did you see it? as a potential seed for something greater? Or did you need that planted within you? Well, I needed it both. I saw a possibility. I just didn't know how to get there. 
I was still the new writer and I thought, how could I put together hundreds of pages out of this story? And uh, with her encouragement and just constantly bringing things out and the story just started to take form. And I know this sounds ridiculous, but I've heard about this from other writers. When I started writing my characters, they take on a life of their own. And I couldn't wait to get through that chapter that day to read back and see, well, what did so-and-so say and do? And I tell that to people to go, excuse me. You know, but it's true. And that it is so, so interesting. True. Yeah, yeah. It's so true because that's a part of the joy of writing is that you do have this blank page in front of you. You may know where you're going, but you just don't quite know every single turn no. or what happens within these characters' lives until you actually put yourself in front of that page and go. Absolutely. And, and that keeps the joy there, the mystery there. Yeah. You know, all of the, the drive. And so when you were sitting, how did you carve out your day? Like how much did you work on it? I know you said life was messy all in between, but did you have a writer's routine? Well, I didn't until my teacher gave me a task and she said, you are going to write a book in 30 days. And that's when I thought she's lost it. She I love her already. Lost it. I love so her. I thought, okay, uh, she thinks I can do it. I will. So I, my daughter-in-law lives here on the property in the guest house. And I told her, I'm going to need you to do the things that distract me for 30 days. You know, like things around the kitchen and all this stuff. And she said she would. So I get up in the morning, have my coffee, get my eyes open. I come into my writing room and I just write. The problem I was having, and my teacher pointed out to me, she says, you're your own worst critic. Do not criticize what you're writing. Just get it on paper. She says you'll get the words on the screen or on the paper, but in the seat, and you'll be able to coordinate the two. So I really, really worked at it. I was getting really close to the end. I had about 40 pages or so I had to write. So I just typed away and typed away and typed away. I was so tired. I have got to take a break. So I sat down for a few minutes and sort of stretched, you know, and thought, and thought well, yeah, I think it's going the way I want to. Well, okay, let's get back to it. When I got back to my computer, it had erased all the work I had done that day. I want to see a grown woman cry. I was all boo-hoo, boo-hoo. Hi, so I finally said, pull it together. So I thought I can remember it if I just try. So I went back to my computer and I put down what I could remember. And I finished with two and a half hours to spare. And that was my 30 days writing a book. Yes. And you are proof that it can be done. Yeah. Yeah. And I use the chapter a day strategy where if I'm writing a 30 page chapter, uh, I got me a 30 day book. That's and right. so. When you said that your teacher challenged you in that way, I was like, yes, love her already. Love it. Just go with the page, get in the seat. And I like how you talked about removing those distractions and receiving well, that support in order to do that. Start if needed it because, well, I mean, you've done everything that I've done all my life. That's it is my life. Get up in the morning, clean the house, all the normal household you know, chores that, you know, women all over the world do. And it was very difficult for me to come in here with all that undone, particularly an unmade bed. My daughter was ardent about, you do not leave this house without making your bed every single day. So to sit in here knowing my bed was made just drove me nuts, which is funny, but yeah. 
But maybe that's what you needed was to say, none of that really does matter right now because these words matter. But it's hard for the very first time yeah. to direct that. Now I, it's much easier for me. The bed can stay unmade. I, my dear sweet grandmother is not going to come haunt me for doing this. So uh, I, now I can do it. But she was right. I needed to experience all that to know that I could do it. And it didn't matter whether it was messy because I was going to clean it up as I wrote it. So those were lessons that just her telling me to do that taught me very well. So, so I love that. So now that you have your book out there circulating, it has been received as, you know, top reviews. Just really talk about the difference between poetry writing and short stories. How did that evolve for you? Because you said you've been writing since a young age. Did you ever consider being a novelist at a young age? Or did you really just lean yourself into poetry? Well, I just sort of let it come. Like, as an example, I just had a whole bunch of my family down here for a barbecue and, and my grandkids and so forth and so on, which who are basically all full grown. I talk about them like they're babies. <laughs> but um, I also got a wonderful surprise in my life. I gave uh, all my uh, grandkids, uh, what is it, 24 and me to go in. 23 and me, yes. To go and explore their backgrounds and where, you know, our relatives may have come from and so forth and so on. And uh, it was about a year later, uh, my, one of my granddaughters called and said, Grandma, are you, are you sitting down? I said, uh, do I need to be? And she, yeah, but it's a good sit. So I sat down. I said, what is it? She said, through the 23andMe, we found another grandchild. I've heard oh but I'd never dreamed in a world and this young man is living in London and uh, he you know genetically he is my grandson and I never ever would have found him and he is so appreciative you know I get letters from him all the time oh I'm so glad that I, you're my grandmother and that we finally met and all these it brings me to tears just wanting to talk about it so, um, I don't know, how did I get on that subject? Oh, we're, uh, that's a novel in the making, maybe, Miss Patty. <laughs> it could be, but I did find, oh, I know. So, he told me he had the uh, COVID. So, I thought, oh, and he said, I really need a hug, Grandma. And that's the last I heard of him for a while. And I thought, okay. And all of a sudden, a poem came to me. And I started writing amid all these people eating their dinner and everything. And I sent it off to him. And so um, that's just how that comes into my life, even when I'm not expecting it. And it just seems to matter at the time. So, And it does matter. Yeah. And it's within real experiences where we're grounded and authentic. Yeah. And then we're able to tap into that side of us when we don't quite know how to say the words we need to say. That that creative side of us does the work for us. I I find it sort of is my emotional shield that if I yes. can put down in poetry, uh, I don't feel quite as exposed emotionally, you know, as you do with other things. And in particular, like this little poem that I wrote for him. Do you want me to read it to you? I would love it. Read it to the audience, Miss Patty. Okay. Now, remember, this is somebody I didn't know I had in my life. But I remember the night that thought maybe he does exist but I always wondered so I wrote him and I said many many years ago I had a dream of you I often wondered if you I often wonder if by chance 
Oh, yeah, I can't even read this now. I don't know what I did with it. Anyway, I wonder, see, I can't remember it. I had a dream of you. A little voice within me kept that dream. Just, just a, a, a draft. Oh, here we go. Many, many years ago, I had a dream of you. Were you real or were you not? I really never knew. A little voice inside me said, don't give up on your goal. Your, your dream may one day happen. Just listen to your soul. Then came the miracle of miracles. When first I saw your face, I looked into your gentle eyes. My dream fell into place. Now, bef now here before me standing was the long and missing part. I've been searching for the lost piece of my heart. And that oh, Miss Pat. <sighs> I felt every single word. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But see, it's so much easier for me to say that than make up some something that doesn't rhyme. I don't know. Maybe I was just born that way. I can't tell. But I've written a lot of poems in my time just because that's how I can basically get my feelings out and feel real good. And the same way with your stained glass artistry. How does that type of work even translate? Because it's like poetry in motion and poetry in peace to me. Well, when I first, there's another thing, you know, I, uh, uh, my sister and I moved down to Carmel. We both have divorces at the same time. My mother had a house and we moved in with dogs and kids and all that. And she went off to find a job and she found a job helping a stained glass artist in downtown Carmel. And I was busy, I don't know, doing what I can't remember now. And uh, she went out of town. So the person that owned the glass studio gave me a call and said, I really could use a hand. I've got all this stuff going. And would you, could you possibly think of coming to help me? And I thought, I said, I don't know anything. anything uh, did you move? Oh, Miss Patty, did you move something around your mic? Because now with, with maybe with the movie, maybe it. How's that? Perfect. Better? Okay. So you said when you called, you said, you know, nothing about stained glass. Absolutely nothing about stained glass. I said, well, don't know how I could possibly help you. She said, well, it really would be a, a great help to me if you would just come. I'll show you what you do. It's no big deal. So I thought I went down and there was this bench, working bench, and it was all covered with with, uh, with lead and copper foil and, and glass cutters and all kinds of weird things that I didn't know what they were. And she said, this is what you're going to need to do. And in about five minutes, we did this and turned this, and you. I'm going, uh, 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 and she left. I thought, oh no, this <laughs> is going to be the most embarrassing day of my life. So I thought, you know, pull, pull up your big girl panties and let's go for it. So I, I thought what she said, and I worked and worked and worked and worked, and I finally got it all together. And I got it all soldered and everything, and I put it upstairs. I was so proud of that. And the next day, Kim Novak came in and bought my lamp. Are you familiar with Kim Novak? That is a very familiar name. I'm Googling and I believe I know her from a show I used to watch. She was, uh, we did a lot of work for Alfred Hitchcock. She played in Vertigo. She played. Yes, I've seen that. I knew yeah. I knew. I've seen Vertigo. Yes. I knew I remembered her name. Yeah. Yes. All right. And so she bought your lamp and it was what I you just, thought was going to be a disaster oh, turned yeah. out to be something that someone found value in. 
So it encouraged me to do another lamp, which I did, you know, I spent as much time as, as I did with the other one, put that upstairs and I'll be dar- doggone if Andy Griffith didn't come in and buy that one. So I'm going, <laughs> oh, yo, you know, I'm stained glass artist to the stars. You could hardly talk to me. I got so big headed. What so, did your uh, sister do? Because <laughs> you well, were like, she's going, oh, give me a break, Patty. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, I, there was a few more that I did. So that led to making the windows, which I really loved because you can hold that glass up and see the beauty uh, shine through of all the different glasses. I used to dream at night. I would get my, my project. I would make it, cut all the glass, and I'd hold it up and think, nah, I don't like that. I have to change it to something else. And I worked all night. I'd get back to the studio in the morning. I knew just what I wanted to do, and it was perfect. I didn't get much sleep, but howsomever, it sure worked out with the stained glass. Yeah. Love that. And then how do all of those skills at translate now into your writing, into your process that you're doing now? Because it sounds so very similar. Well, there is a basis that you need to accomplish. And then you have to build on something. You have to have faith in yourself, your color choices or your characters. You know, they're about the same. And uh, so it takes about the same kind of discipline, I think, uh, if you had, if you were doing the same, the, the same two arts together, you would use the same disciplines, I think. And so from, I know you said it was a challenge for you because at the beginning you were like, I don't have a computer. I don't know how to use one. No. It's almost <laughs> like you're walking into a gallery going, what are these tools? I don't know what all this weird <laughs> stuff is. How am I going to no. get from this thing to that piece? It's almost as if it's that same type of either you embrace it or you have the fear and you sound like a lady that embraces a challenge. Well, I'm going to tell you one challenge I didn't think I was going to embrace. I was going to be one of those senior citizens that was not going to have a computer till I needed one. And then I sure wasn't going to get a laptop because that was just doubling the stupidity of this high tech stuff until I found out how nice it is to sit on the sofa and work. Then for <laughs> sure, I wasn't going to have an iPhone that had an IQ higher than mine. Absolutely not. And I wasn't going to have one of these wristwatches that talk to you for crying out loud. What kind of a booby needs that? Well, I ended up with all of them, plus a uh, website, and uh, my granddaughter put me on Instagram. So I go, Grandma, got, go. I just got my my watch when I was standing out in front of a little store, I'd gone shopping, and it rang. And the nice thing about it is that your your purse rings, and you don't have to dig for the phone, which mine is usually in the bottom somewhere, maybe on a cloud down there. I don't know. I never can get it in time. So I went for my watch. And I pushed the little button. There's my son. Hi, mom. He says, how are you liking your new watch? And I said, oh, honey, just fine. I looked down over to my shoulder and about 20 yards away was this nice little old lady who was sitting on a bench looking at me and looking at me. And I said, I think I'll call you back when I get in the car, honey. I, I, you know, I'm sort of drawing attention out here. I don't want to look like a fool. Okay, mom, I'll talk to you later. So off we go. And I go past the little bench and the little old lady said, Psst come here and i thought oh no and she sort of got my hand she said come here dear and she got my hand and pulled me down so she could whisper she said and she looked on both sides very carefully <laughs> said are you with the cia and i said oh 
no. I said, I thought, CIA? No, no, no. So I sat down with her. I said, let me show you something. Showed her the watch and the phone. And she, oh, my dear. She said, I thought you probably were working for the CIA. <laughs> no, I wasn't. But She's I'm, ready to write a crime novel herself. <laughs> no kidding. But I did chuckle over that for a long time. That's hilarious. And yeah. so, so then you got your computer. Uh -huh. You figured out how to use it. Mm -hmm. And you signed up for a writing course. I did. I had heard uh, I had heard good things about Gotham, and uh, I thought, you know, one or the other, I wouldn't know a good course or not. You know, this is my first attempt at it. But I was, I was so fortunate. You know, not only is it a great school, there isn't any form of writing that they don't have classes in, and they make it really, really easy for you to do it on the computer. And it's international. I had a lot of students that were from Europe in my class. And you know, they just signed up from all over. So that made it really interesting, too, because we got to critique each other's work. And then the blessing was season, my first teacher, because I had another one, too. She was uh, her name is Carol Bouget, and she's a published author. She's a, a playwright. She sings in chorals in New York. Uh, she writes under a C something C uh, L Lawrence, I guess it is. And uh, she's one of those really strong-willed women that you look up to and you admire. I mean, look what she does. She just sort of runs New York. And uh, she just led me to believe, yes, she says, I'm not, I'm not telling you your, word, your writing is good just to make you feel good. She said, your writing is good. And I thought, oh, I took a deep breath on that one. So she had a lot to do with my wanting to go forward with my work too. So, And then I, just, you know, just like Andy Griffith buying your lamp, <laughs> that was that positive reinforcement. Yeah. And then you just now are on this journey. What's next for you, Miss Patty? Are you going to, I know you're still writing poetry because yeah. it's just going to continue in your heart. Are you looking? Because at the end of your novel, I'm not giving any spoiler alerts, but it's like, or is it? Or is yeah, it? This is the end or is it? Well, I thought about maybe trying to do a sequel, but I thought, let's let Sleeping Dogs Lie. These people are good in this book. I thought I liked my characters. You know, I didn't want to do anything that's going to change that. So I thought I'm going to write a second book. And I'm going to write it about that same era of the 1940s is very, very uh, likable for me. And I'm going to write it uh, about Montana this this time. So oh, nice. I've got it, I have it half drafted. So I've already started working on it. And so when you say half drafted, you're just, are you going to do your 30 day challenge? And are you going to try to do the novel in a month? Are you plotting oh. it right now? Like, are you, do you do your plot points or do you, uh, are I'm, you drafting first draft in front I'm of the screen? Starting, I, I don't know how other writers do it because I've not been in the writing world very long, but for me, it's the characters first. And so I write my characters and I dress them and I give them a, a stance or an attitude or, you know, whatever it is. And then when I really have got my, the story starts to form and is we're starting to write, then I let all my characters come back and I audition them to see if they fit the roles. And that's how I do it. Very unique. Yeah. And so you're doing character profiles now at the beginning yeah. and then, and a yeah. bit of a story here and there. I've got maybe a, uh, two or three pages worth of a story and I just put that to the side. I'll incorporate that with something bigger, you know, as I go. So I'm, but mainly I've been trying to uh, do these interviews for the book. See in Montana, the only people that 
only living things that visit me and would be interested in my book are four-legged elk. And uh, I haven't been able to really sell all that good there. And nothing's close. There's no, uh, I mean, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. There's no place, uh, no malls to have book signings or anything like that. So about the only way I can talk about my book is with nice people like you. So I've really enjoyed it. It's turned out to be, it was, I was scared to death at first, but it's turned out to be quite a pleasure. And so what did you learn from that? Again, the no fear and that the words matter enough yeah. to champion the words. Yes, that's it for me. Uh, and of course, I'm in the ideal space up there in Montana. It all Everything is so easy go. And I don't care. We spent our first winter there and that didn't bother me at all. Cause snow coming down because I'm tucked upstairs in my fuzzy pink slippers and writing, you know, while before I have my coffee or whatever. So it's just a perfect environment for me. I just love it. So, oh, it sounds just like a dream. It is really, it really like is. So I know that you've had such joy with this. I can see the joy radiating on your face as you talk about your novel and your process and and learning who you are as a writer and just going after it. Like, what would you say to people who are just starting out and they are looking for for ways to improve their craft or to just how am I going to get the idea out of my head onto that page? Well, I think. The first thing that you've got to realize, or you have to tell yourself, I know I had to tell myself, is you can do this. You can do this. And once that sinks in, uh, the other thing I would say is just trust yourself. Just trust your emotions. Put them on paper. Your words are as valuable as anybody else's. And if you, I call it word painting. You put it on your your page and you paint that picture with your words. And if you can do that, you'll write something good. Oh, I love it. Love it, Miss Patty. So now that you're on Instagram. Oh, Lord, I don't know how to work it yet, but I'm trying. You'll get there. I have all the confidence in the world that you're going to figure it all out. <laughs> Thank you. So we have website, Instagram. You're now learning all about the social media. So... Yeah. I'm very proud and I can't wait to see what's next from you. Oh, thank you so much. So guys, I want to encourage you right now to go out and get your copy of the Shingle Weavers Picnic. It is crime, mystery, thriller, drama set during World War II. You guys are going to absolutely love it. And you will be able to see a lot of that type of parallel writing and from the child's perspective with cricket and I think you would thoroughly enjoy it and it will keep you turning the pages. So thank you so much, Miss Patty, for being here. Last words, Miss Patty, before we're signing off. Last words. All right. I do have a website and that is lowercase uh, letters and it's author pcsmith.com and you can find out where you can buy the book and a little bit more if I didn't tell you everything right now. So go there. Love it. Love it. And I will Thank put you. everything in the description so that way you can follow Miss Patty and you'll go to our site, follow her on Instagram. And I'm just so thankful that you shared your afternoon with me. It has oh. been a blessing to talk with you. Thank you so much to have me. I really appreciate it. You've been a joy. All right, guys. I will talk with y'all later. Bye. Bye. 
Now that you've found me on the Jen Lowry Writes podcast, I challenge you to head over to where books are sold and find me there. I've published 11 books so far, and I write clean books for all ages. Horror, paranormal, sweet romance, fantasy, historical fiction, you name it, I've got your genre. Search Jen Lowry at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Kobo, and more. And for my Bible devotionals, you'll see my full name, Dr. Jennifer Eichner Lowry on Amazon. So I challenge you today to go out there and write something inspiring and share it with the world. Thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day.